All right. Um, it's good to be here again. It's good to be here and sharing with you guys again. It's been a while, but praise the Lord, right? Um, you know, uh, when, I was, when I was back there, when I was, you know, how many people were blessed by that worship today? Right? You know, I felt the spirit so thick in this room, you know, so thick in this room. And I felt like the glad, like that oil of gladness just being poured out on this place, like here up in the front, you know. And when I was back there, you know, the spirit was telling me, you know, tell them that there's an open heaven here, you know, and tell them that there's oil of gladness pouring out here tonight, you know. And he said that, that the dove is resting here, you know, that, that the spirit is resting here today. Um, so I, I'm just, you know, thank Mario for giving me this opportunity. Um, and I'm glad that it's finally the weekend, right? <laughs> and um, actually, I have a couple praise reports that I want to share with you guys. Um, my, uh, my sister Carla, she's like giving birth tonight. Yeah, she's giving birth tonight, and I think we're expecting baby Alea to, uh, to be born around midnight, so, you know, might, might still make it after this. Um, and then second praise report is that it, uh, somebody had given me Dodger games for t tonight's game, right? And uh, they gave them to me, like, a long time ago. And, um, you know, and then, uh, you know, Pastor Mario asked me to, to, to share tonight. So I was like, yeah, definitely, you know. And I didn't, you know, I never looked at the tickets, so I didn't know what date it was. So when I looked at the tickets, like, Wednesday or something, I, I saw that they were for Friday, and I thought, like, oh, like, but see, it wasn't like a, oh, like, like, you know, like, I was, I was double thinking about, you know, preaching. No, like, I was just kind of like, oh, okay, that's cool. Like, I'll just give them away, you know. So I gave them away to one of my coworkers. Uh, the next day, one of the other people that, that I work for, like a vendor that I work for, comes into my office or comes to visit me. In his hand, there are four tickets to the Dodger game. <laughs> and it's for the next day, so for tomorrow. And there is din dinner is included. And a, and a parking pass. <laughs> So see, that's how good, God, how good God is, right? Double portion, double portion, right? I had two tickets, now I have four tickets, you know? So God is good, you know, and that, that just goes to show that, like, when you do God's work and when you, like, focus in on him, he takes care of the rest, you know? When you, you make his, him your first focus, like, everything else is added on to you, you know? So, um... So this, this week, I'm going to share with you guys a little bit more. This week, uh, actually last week before uh, I was asked to, to share today, um, we were just having like a fun conversation at work. Uh, actually, one of my bosses just came into the office and she asked, like, what is your favorite uh, holiday, you know? And it can't be your birthday, right? It can't, can't be the day you were born. It can't be your kid's birthday, like a holiday. And so, you know, I love Thanksgiving, you know? Yeah, you know, the turkey, the mashed potatoes, the gravy. I love eating, so, like, I'm like, oh, man, like, I love turkey day, you know? So I was like, well, Thanksgiving is, like, my favorite. And somebody else said something else, and she's like, well, like, personally, I, I think Christmas is the best holiday because you get 
the food, you get the family, and when you wake up, you get gifts. And I thought, yeah, that does make sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the gifts, the gifts, you know. And so that, uh, that you know, that reminds me of, reminded me, actually, of, a, of an experience that my wife and I had some time ago um, where uh, I know that we testified about this experience uh, where we were in Culver City. Um, and uh, just to kind of, you know, do a little quick recap, uh, one day, like my, one night, my wife and I were kind of at odds, not like, not like fighting, but we, you know, like, you know, one of those, one of those, you know, the small ones. And um, you know how that, that, that can happen sometimes, you know, that can happen sometimes, you know. Uh, can't always say yes, can't always say yes, you know. <laughs> so, uh, I love you, baby. <laughs> so, you know, uh, we, we were, ha you know, we just went to sleep at odds and, you know, one, one on the other side of the bed, the other one on the other side of the bed. And, um, but I remember, you know, God is so good. I remember that, like, um, that in the middle of the night, I don't know what time it was. It might have been like three o'clock in the, in the a.m. And I was sleeping. I was like, you know, just like dead asleep, deep asleep. And um, I started hearing like a, like a, a beautiful sound, you know, and it came in really softly. And, you know, now that I think about it after a time of like just sort of, I always think back to that, you know, and I always think about what God gave me um, in that experience. Uh, and now that I think about it, to me, it sounded like, like the, the harp of heaven, you know. It was so beautiful. It was like a sound that I, that I never heard before. It was a sound that you can't really, like, describe, but it was like, it was like an HD HD, you know, whatever like it is, you know, like it just sounded so real and we were sleeping and I started hearing that sound and the, and the sound woke me up, but it didn't woke me, it didn't wake me in like, like, like with fear or anything, or it didn't wake me like, just like, you know, jolt me out of bed, but I just kind of like really calmly like opened my eyes and then I realized that the sound was still playing and that it wasn't coming from the outside because, you know, I've had the neighbors that bump their music and, like, you know the sound is coming from the outside. But this, this sound was coming actually from above us, you know. And it was in the room. I could hear it that it was in the room. It wasn't anywhere else. It was in the room. And I listened to it for, like, a good 30 seconds. And then I thought, like, okay, well, let me check if somebody else can hear it, you know. So then I turned around and I, and I asked my wife, like, can you hear that? And then she says, yes, like, you know, and she had been listening it, to it, like, with me. We just hadn't, like, communicated about it, you know? And so, like, at first I was like, oh, man, this is awesome, right? And, and then, like, we kind of just, you know, that brought us together. We kind of held hands and, you know, and we kept on listening to this music, and it was just so beautiful, so beautiful. And it lasted maybe for, like, like two minutes, you know, and just going, like, and it was just kind of, like, really, like, beautiful, layered, and, like, uh, just awesome. And then, like, it, it came, like, it left. It left so softly and peacefully, you know. And, we, you know, we hugged it out, and it was like, oh, you know, we thank God for the opportunity and for, like, that experience and that miracle, you know. And... I've, you know, I was so blown by it. I was, uh, you know, I, I didn't understand it, but I, I knew that it was something, like, super awesome. 
and I knew like that it was it was like dude it was like a miracle of miracles you know and like recently talking to my dad uh praise god he's free and like he's good now and um you know we were having a conversation about this you know and he asked me like you know and I told him you know dad I've, I've had like really cool experiences with god and he asked well you just tell me about your experiences you know and I was like all right well let me drop this one on you you know and um and you know I told him the story and and he's like wow yeah that's awesome and he, and he said uh he said well you know I wonder what God was giving you you know when 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 he when he opened you know heaven for you and I thought wait hold on I was supposed to get something from that you know <laughs> you know because uh because and, and, and I thought about it like the next couple of days and I thought like whoa like you just, you gave me something. You opened a heaven for me, and I didn't re even realize what you were doing for me. I thought it was like a miracle, and you were just, I, I walked away from it like impressed. I walked away from it blessed, but I didn't walk away from it with like the real purpose of it, you know? I didn't realize that there was a purpose behind it, you know? And I didn't realize yet, I hadn't realized yet that when God does miracles and then when God gives you breakthroughs in your life and, and maybe not just in your natural life but in like your spiritual life, like if you, you have prayers and you have desires and wishes and, and maybe you've been praying for a long time, maybe you've had these desires or these wishes or, or maybe like God has given you something that you maybe haven't had breakthrough in these things yet you know, uh, maybe it's just like with me, like I didn't realize it, you know, I didn't realize it, but God had given me something so that there'd be breakthrough in my life, you know, because when God does something in your life, like a miracle or a breakthrough, it's so that it reveals him, you know, and it brings you closer to him. So, because it's just another side that he opens to you. Um, and it also, you know, made me realize that in this open heaven, I had full access to the kingdom. And I hadn't been taking advantage of that, you know. That, that it, from that time when that happened to now, like, I thought, whoa, like, God gave me an open heaven, and I just haven't been taking advantage of that. I've, I've kind of been just, just living a defeated, like, Christian life, you know. And I haven't been, like... Really, I didn't register that. It didn't register that. You know, it's like when something happens and you don't, like your friend says a joke and you're like a minute later, like, oh, yeah, that was funny, right? <laughs> you know? And, and it was just like that, you know? But with me, it was like a year and a half or two years later. <laughs> I just didn't get it, you know? I've been kind of slow all the time. But, but, you know, glory to God that, like, he has a way of bringing all that stuff back to you. And what he gives you, he never takes back. It, you know, it might take you a while to get it, uh, but, but he has it there for you, you know. And the one thing that I came away from that is, and one of the things is that how it was awesome and very, like, unique how he gave it to us while we were resting, you know. I didn't earn it, you know. It wasn't like it happened when I was praying really hard or being super spiritual. It happened while I was sleeping you know, and 
And even, even, <laughs> even though, like, we weren't in the best of moods, like, he still gave it to us, you know? And, and it just goes to show that, like, some of God's best work is done when you rest, you know? Like, when you rest, God works. And like Jesus said, like, he never stops working. He's never stopped working. He's always working, you know. And it was really so that we couldn't boast on it. Oh, I, could, I can't boast on it that I earned it. It was freely given to me, you know. Um, and, it, and it's funny because I remember when it first happened, I thought it was all about me, you know. I thought, like, oh, man, God gave me this and, like, my wife, like, she just got, like, she got lucky, you know. She's blessed because she was sleeping next to me, you know. And, but see, that's, like, how, that's how, like, just, you know, how crazy we can be sometimes that, like, even in, while I, re- while, while I was arresting, like, I wanted to, like, you know, think that it was because of my works, you know, or because of who I was, you know. But, but God made me realize, like, look, what I give you, I give to everybody around you. And you don't know if it's for that person or for me, but what I give is to the blessing of everybody, you know? And so, so today, uh, my sermon, or this sermon, or this sharing is called Rest and Receive. Um, and we're going to be on John 5, the healing at the pool. So if you can turn to that scripture now, John 5, and we're going to read from uh, 1 through 18, and we'll go through it, and then we'll uh, come back to it. Just, if you can say amen when you have it. But before we do that, let's, uh, let's pray. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, Lord, to praise you and worship you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God, that I'm able to share your word, Father God. Let your spirit speak, Father. Let your words just flow and let your kingdom just come out, Father God, and do what it has to do, Lord. Let you heal, Father God, and set free, Lord God, as as I share, Lord God. Let you just stretch out your arm, Lord God, and do your good work, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So, all right, so let's start reading here. So it says... Chapter 5, verse 1 says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic, it's called Bethesda, in which it's surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? This man responds, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While... I am trying to get in. Someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. 
And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick up your mat and walk? The man who, who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away in the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Now, so because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. Jesus said to them, My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. All right. So, so it says here that near, so now they're in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate. So let's talk about this Sheep Gate, what exactly this gate is, what, what it means or what, what it was used for. So the Sheep Gate, this Sheep Gate in, in, uh, was the gate that in Jerusalem, it was the gate where all the, the offerings came through into the city to be offered in the temple as sacrifices for, for, for sins. And um, the Sheep Gate, some people believe that this pool that was, that was there, that this pool of Beth- Bethesda, was just outside of the Sheep Gate. And, so, you know, some people believe that the pool was where they washed the sheep. And so that they could go in into the sheep gate. You know, they, they, they say that, that that might not be true because those pools were also used to, for water for the city, you know. Um, the sheep gate, uh, after the Babylonians had taken over uh, and they burned down the city and the gates and all of that, um, those, those gates were destroyed. All the gates of, of Jerusalem were destroyed. And, but then once uh, Nehemiah came back and he wanted to rebuild the sheep, he wanted to rebuild the city and wanted to rebuild the gates of Jerusalem, um, they started with the sheep gate. The sheep gate was the first gate that they built. And it says that, that the high priest was the one that built that sheep gate. And that all the priests along with him built the sheep gate his name was Elijah, Elijah Bib, and he built the sheep gate, and it was the first gate to be built, and that it said that from there, it was the starting point of the rebuilding of the city and the walls, and it was actually also the last part of it, too. So it was the beginning and the end of it, you know? And so, I don't know about you, but that kind of reminds me of Jesus, right? He's the beginning and the end. Um, so this was the sheep gate. And then it says that right from there, there was a pool. And this pool was called Bethesda. And the history of this pool is actually very interesting. This pool was, it was called the upper pool, the first pool. And this pool was built around 8th century BC, you know, and it was built right outside of the Sheep Gate, and actually, 
what this pool was used for is to bring water into the city. But they, what, what happened is that they had built a dam right across the valley of the pool, of, of that gate. And so that dam was collecting rainwater. And the way that it worked is that they would let go some of that water that, that in that gate or in the dam, there would be a gate that would control the stream that would come down to this pool, and then the pool would then put water out into the city. And that was built around 8th century, and it was called the upper pool. Now, in the first century before Christ, under Roman rule, when Jerusalem was already in Roman rule, um, they, they actually made these pools, or they added a few pools. And they made these pools for a pagan god, a Greek god, called uh, Asclepius. And he was the god of healing. And so, so now, picture this. It was under Roman rule. And they had taken this upper pool and added some more pools. And these pools were dedicated to a pagan god that would provide healing for the people that would then take baths in these pools, right? Or that was the legend, right? And the interesting thing about this pool is that, see, until the 19th century when the archaeologists actually found these pools, it was thought that these pools were actually a metaphor, that John's pools in this, in this text never existed, that it was a metaphor. But then they found the actual pools, and then they, and they found the pools, and they fit John's description to the T. And so it just goes to show that everything that's in the Bible, it's true, you know, and it's there. So let's keep reading. And it says, so now we know, you know, now we know the pool. And the pool actually has a really interesting name. It's, it's Bethesda. And this name means it has a double mean, a meaning. Sometimes, like, Hebrew, you know, Hebrew words have double meanings. But it's very interesting because this word means the house, a house of mercy, and it means shame or disgrace. So it, it means house of mercy or shame and disgrace at the same time. And it's disgrace, you know, and, it, and it, it's named, you know, it's named correctly. It, the name fits because it's disgrace because in this pool, there is, there is a congregation of people that used to be here that were imperfect. The sick, the invalid, uh, you know, whatever problems they had, they were there and they used, to, they used to congregate around this pool because of what they've heard about this pool, that it was a healing pool. And mercy, because they thought that, that the water would, would heat up and, and, and spin and they would throw the, you know, they would race to this pool to throw themselves in it so that they can be healed. And so the name fit, you know. Um, and it says that a great number of disabled people used to be around this pool, used to just hang out around that pool. It says here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. You know, when I think about these people, I think about a congregation, you know, that's assembled every day around this pool. And I think about the kind of people that must have been around this pool, you know, all the, all the rejects. Like, you, I guess you could say that they were the sheep and the lamb that couldn't make it through the sheep gate. 
you know. And they were just out there, out in the, near the pool, full of shame, full of disgrace. And they were the ones that, that other people didn't want to see in the city, you know. They would, you know, back then they used to like shush those people to the side. Because why? Because they would think when they saw a sick person or they saw somebody that, that wasn't quite right, they would think like it's because of sin. They must be carrying some sort of shame with them, you know. And so they would make these, they would kind of cut these people away from their people, you know, cut them away from their people. And, you know, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed, you know, this, this to me, like, when I read that, it sounded to me like what Jesus came to heal and who Jesus came for. You know, Luke 4.18 says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free. Now, here it says, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. That sounds to me like the recovery of sight, the oppressed, and the prisoner, right? That's exactly what Jesus came to save, you know, the rejected, the unfit sheep and the unfit, you know, sacrifices, the people that just didn't make the cut, you know. Where were these people congregating? You know, they were congregating around a pool. Now, a pool, to me, is still water. Water that doesn't move, has no life. Still water, doesn't move. And, and, and if we actually think about it more, this water or this, what, the water that came into this pool was controlled by man because it was rainwater, and then there was a little gate that they controlled how much water went through there, you know? There's no movement. There's a pool of water, and there's people around it. And it's sounding very, you know, it's sounding like something that I know, right? And that I've heard sounding very familiar to me. You know, they're there because they believe in a pagan legend. They believe that, that you know, that an angel or or that the water is being stirred and that through this water or through this angel that comes down every now and then and, and stirs the water, that they will be, they'll receive their healing, that they'll receive their breakthrough, you know. But see, this is not truth, you know, because God doesn't work that way, you know. God isn't a pool. You know, God is a living water. He is a water that brings life. He's a water that, that just flows in your heart and, and not just flows from above, from, from the kingdom, but flows through you and then flows out of you. You know, he makes you actually like you're not a dam, you know. There's no stoppage of water here because God doesn't want to just bless you. He wants to bless everybody around you. He flows that that living water inside of you, and that, that, that stuff just pours out of you, you know, and that, that's something that, like, as Christians, as believers, we have, to, we have to realize that what God has given us, an open heaven that God has given us, isn't just made for our own miracle, isn't it just made for our own breakthrough, but it's actually a breakthrough so that we can, not just only to reveal God to us, but for us to reveal God to other people, you know, I want to know it, and I, I, want, I want us to understand that these people had a need, had a legitimate need, 
You know, we all have needs. You know, we all have struggles. And these people had a need. And you can't say these people didn't have faith because they were there. They had faith. Their faith was just misplaced. Their faith was in a pagan ritual, in a fake God, in a legend, something that didn't work, in a dead, still body of water. So let's keep reading here. It says, paralyzed one who was there had been invalid for 38 years. So this man had been sick for 38 years, you know. And it says, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? So now we come to this man. And this man had been there for 38 years, had been in this. The word doesn't say that he had been there for 38 years, but he said that he had been that he had been sick for 38 years, but that he had been in that condition for a long time. And when he says in that condition, he means on the floor, on his mat for a long time. That's his condition. Like living, a, like just living a defeated life, that's the condition. He's been sick for a long time, but he has in that condition for a long time. You know, we know that this man was a Jew. Why, how do we know that? Because later on, Jesus sees him in the temple. You know, so he's one of us. See, this man, like, could be you or could be me. And I can imagine that this man had, like, I guess you could say high dishonor in this place because he had been there for a really long time. Sometimes, you know, if you stick around in a place for a long time, you end up being the highest one. And this man, I think by default, was like the number one of rejects, right? He was the one that probably everybody knew there. He was the one that probably everybody listened to Everybody, like, knew his name and knew what he was about. He knew his story, you know. Actually, the word says that when Jesus heard about this, somebody told Jesus about this, you know. And I can see Jesus making an example out of this man. I can see Jesus taking this man and, and saying, like, I'm going to take the biggest reject. I'm going to take the biggest sick person, the most sickest person, the worst, and I'm going to make him well, you know? But we can see that this man was trying to acquire, you know, his, he was trying to acquire his, his healing, he was trying to acquire his breakthrough with works, you know? He was trying to acquire his breakthrough with works in a congregation of works. And as we read, Jesus says, do you want to get well? So we, we hear, here we read his response. He says, sir, says, doesn't say Jesus, doesn't say rabbi, doesn't say Lord, like all the other ones that we've read about. He says, sir. The See, sir means I don't know who you are. 
<laughs> right? I don't know who you are, right? What, like in all the, other, all the other stories that we hear from the Bible, everybody knows who Jesus is. The, the lame or the tired or the sick, they run to Jesus and they say, like, this is a man that can heal me. This man has Jesus right in front of me and calls him sir, right? Doesn't know him. So he says, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. So he, he's describing his faith right now. He's describing his congregation right now. He's describing the congregation of works, right? He's describing congregation of works. See, nobody wants to help me to get into the pool. Why? Because my legs don't work, right? You know? And so we're in the congregation of works, everybody is an individual. There is nobody. Everybody's just trying to get their own breakthrough, right? We don't realize that when God gives us, it's so that we can help our brother, so that we can pick him up and carry him to the living water. Amen? You know, <laughs> when you think about this, man, it's kind of, you know, look, we'll read the rest of this. While I'm trying to get in, in someone else goes down ahead of me. <laughs> it, you know, it's just, you know, it's like, who jumps the highest? Who sings the loudest? Who prays the most? You know, it, it, it's just, wow, right? Like, what hopelessness would it be if it was like that? If it was about works and it's about who ran the fastest, who got in the water the fastest. And actually, <laughs> this, man, this man's like situation is more hopeless than you think, actually. Because, see, this is about running and getting into the pool. He's got no legs. The man can't walk, let alone run. Right? So it's an impossible, hopeless situation. That's why he's been there for a long time. Right? It's an impossible situation. It's impossible for him to get his breakthrough, to get his healing under those conditions. Amen? We can't look to get our, our healing or our breakthrough and our prayers and in the promises that God has made us through our works. And, and I hear what you're saying. You're saying, like, well, you know, I don't work anymore. Like, like I just, you know, I have faith in God. And, I, you know, and I'm the same way. But sometimes, you know, that work, that work kind of sneaks up on you, you know. You, you start thinking, like, man, well, you know, I really need this. I, I'm just going to pray some more and, like, you know, I'm just going to, like, do this or, you know, do that. And it's really easy. It, like, it really sneaks up on you. And, and you just really have to know and, and realize that, like, everything that we got, everything that we have and everything that we receive, we receive from God. You know, we receive from God. And that everything that we do for him, we do because we love him. And even though we're not getting breakthrough in our prayers and, and in the dreams and the promises that he's made, it doesn't mean that they're not going to come. You know, it doesn't mean that they're not going to come. It just means that we have to rest in him. 
and just wait in him. So then Jesus, you know, Jesus says, uh, do you want to, you know, do you want to get well? Do you want to, do you want, do you want to be healed? You know, it says, do you want to get well? Now, if you, if you look at that question, it's a very redundant question. Like you think, what do you mean, Jesus, he wants, if he wants to get well? Yeah, the guy's been there for a long time. He, like, he's been waiting at this pool. This pool is probably dirty. Like, he's been laying on the floor on his mat for a long time, coming and doing this every day, every day, religiously every day, you know? Of course he wants to get healed. Of course he wants to get well. But see, Jesus was asking him this question because he wanted to know where his heart was. And by the man's response, we know where his faith was. His faith was in his works. See, because when he answered Jesus, he said, Lord, I, you know, nobody gets me into the pool. You know, nobody helps me. And then he says, well, somebody else gets, gets in there before I can get in there. All works, all works, all works. You know, I remember somebody once told me a story that, that this woman, this sick woman, once went to a, to a, to a preacher and, and told, told him about her situation. She, she was sick, and she had a situation, and she needed breakthrough. She wanted breakthrough, and she wanted guidance from this, this pastor. And the pastor's response to her was, well, you know, sister, there's a lot of miracles that God needs to do, and there's a lot of needy people with a lot of things that they want, and you just have to wait in line, you know. And, uh, you, know, I, you know, and when this, this lady told me this story, I said, no, no, man. That's, how not, that's not how that goes. There, see, in the kingdom of heaven, there is no line. See, in the kingdom of heaven, there is no, like, you have to get a ticket and then wait and go sit down at the chair at the DMV for like an hour. You know? That's why you got to go when it's almost closed. At 4.45, you sneak in there, you're done, like 20 minutes later. I'll, that one's free. There's no line in the kingdom of heaven. See, God has that one-step process. You know, he says, like, you want to be healed? Yes, you're healed. You want breakthrough in your life? Yes, you come breakthrough, you know. Whatever it is, whatever ailment you have here, God has it for you, you know. You know, and as you can see in this congregation, there is no grace. You know, there is no helping your brother out. There is no, like, let me, you, you would think that in so many years, somebody would have been like, well, you know what, we'll, let, we'll wait together. And <laughs> we'll, we'll wait together. And, and when the water starts stirring up, I, I'm just going to toss you in there. <laughs> oh, no, man. No. But you know what? Unfortunately and very sadly, that's how it is in a lot of our churches. Nobody's picking up anybody. It's like a one-man lane. And it's funny because I remember as a, as a kid, I remember going to church and hearing, like, you know, your Christian life or your Christian walk, it's, a, it's like it's an individual journey. I remember hearing that. And you know what? Like, 
God might work in you very specifically, but you have brothers and sisters. You have a home. You have a family. You're part of a body. You're not an individual. The world says you're an individual. Do what you want and do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. No, it does matter. You know, you're part of a big family. And what you do to your brother, you do to him. You know? And we can't have this narrow vision. We have to know that, that to our left or to our right, we have a brother that is in need, and we have a brother that wants rest, just like we want it. We have a brother that, that needs breakthrough, just like we need breakthrough. And God gives us breakthrough so that we can give them breakthrough, you know? And, and not just our brother, see? When God says brother, he's talking about our human brothers, like the whole race. You know, sometimes we like to separate things and we like to say like, well, the church, the church, the church, the church. But man, let me, I got news for you. Jesus died for the whole world. He didn't just die for you and I. He died for the whole world. And, and our brothers are out there too. There's a lot of brothers that are oppressed. They're going through things. Brothers in, 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 in at work, at school, or walking down the street, man. That's our brother. You pick up your brother. You help your brother, you know, because you once was that, you know, you were that person once. And what God gives you, he's meant, it's meant for you to, to help. Then, as we keep on reading here, it says, Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. So I, wanna, I want you to see, I want you to see, what God did there, what Jesus did there. See, it's very specific. He says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. See, Jesus gave him a sequence of commands. He said, get up. That means you're healed, right? He said, pick up your mat. That means pick up your life. You know, pick up your life. Pick up what's been your life for the last whatever years that you've been here. Pick that up. Pick it up because you're not coming back here. Right? Pick up your mat because you don't need to save your spot anymore. Right? You don't need to save your spot anymore. Pick it up. You're not coming back. Get up and walk. He tells him to walk. You know? He tells him, move past this. Move past this. See, you've been working so hard for your miracle. You've been working so hard for this miracle, you know? You've been, you've been sick for 38 years and you've been You've been working so hard on your miracle and just dedicating your works and all this, all your focus on this, and you've forgotten one thing. is that you've forgotten me. You know? You've turned all of your vision and all of your focus onto your miracle that you don't even recognize me. It does, you know, it, sometimes it feels like it happens, it happens to me. You know? Like sometimes... I want something so bad. I'm praying for breakthrough so bad. I want, I want this baby to be healed. I want my mom to be healed. I want this that I lose sight of Jesus. I make this, this breakthrough, this healing, my focus in my God. But we forget that in following Jesus, and when we walk towards Jesus, 
is when we get our breakthrough. Because the revelation of Jesus to our lives brings breakthrough, brings healing. You know, the man (laughs) calls Jesus sir, right? Doesn't know Jesus. He's just some other guy that's asking him, you know, one of the other hundred guys that ask him, like, hey, man, what are you doing here, you know? Like, guys that just walk by every, every day, and it's like, oh, hey, look, that, that's like, what's his name? He's been here for 38 years. And he's given the same excuse every time, every time. Look, man, they don't throw me there. Nobody tosses me into the pool, and, you know, like, it's just, you know, I'm having a hard time getting over there. And didn't realize that God in the flesh was there right in front of him didn't realize that he had an open heaven above him, that his miracle was actually standing right there, that the grace that he so seeked and so much wanted was right there in front of him, but he did not recognize him, and actually he did not know him, you know? You know, it it makes me feel like he was so entertained with acquiring his healing that he couldn't see the breakthrough that God was giving him already. He was so, like, entertained with just the pull, my mat, the pull, my mat, the pull, my mat, that he didn't even recognize. He didn't see what God had already given him right then. You know, it reminds me, a lot of our churches, the Lord is in our midst. You know, he's moving around. He's here. He's here. And, and we just don't recognize him. We just don't see that he's there. You know, and, and the Bible says that's because, and, and because of that, a lot of us perish. Because we don't realize that he's there. See, if, if, if Jesus doesn't have mercy and revealed himself to this man, this man stays there forever, and he perishes there in the pool. But God, but Jesus' grace makes himself revealed to you. Because at the end of the day, God doesn't want you to be sick. God doesn't want you to be, you know, at the pool. He doesn't want you to be in your struggle every day and for you to think that you need to work for something. He wants to give it to you. And he actually has already given it to you. All the healing, all the breakthrough, the answers to your prayers, they're already there. See, in the kingdom of God, there isn't sickness. There isn't, you know, uh, invalids. There isn't oppression. That's all illegal in the kingdom of heaven. None of that is possible there. And that is the kingdom of heaven that's upon us and through us. So if the kingdom of heaven lives in you, it is illegal for that stuff to happen in you. This man didn't recognize Jesus, so he didn't know that his healing was there. So then after Jesus heals him, At once the man was cured, it says. He picked up his mat and walked. So this man got up and he walked and he was was healed. Now, here comes the juicy part. See, this all happened on the Sabbath. Oh, you know how the Pharisees get, man. You know how, like, you know, you can't be working on the Saturday, man, you know. Like, it's the Sabbath, man. Like... (laughs) But see, what the Pharisees don't understand is that this man wasn't resting. Not even on the Sabbath he wasn't. He was trying to get in this pool on the Sabbath, man. He was working on the Sabbath. But Jesus came and he worked so that he could rest on the Sabbath. 
praise God. Now, you know, these Jewish dudes are funny. <laughs> you know, they tell this man, they tell this man, they say, uh, the day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jew said to the man that was healed, if it, it is the Sabbath, the law forbids to carry your mat. <laughs> See, this man just got healed. God just changed this man's life, man. He just healed this man, took him out of death, took him out of like a life of religion, a life of, of just being lost, of being the rejected, of not being able ever to, to live a normal life, but just a life of oppression. And all these guys you can think about is that he was working on the Sabbath and carrying his mat. They didn't look at the healing and they didn't say, they didn't recognize God's power and say like, well, man, God just healed this man. All they saw was this guy's mat. <laughs> but they didn't know what this guy's mat meant. This man's mat was his life. And it had been for 38 years. See, that's what religion and the enemy will do when God does a breakthrough in your life. He'll come and say, look, man, what you're doing is illegal. See, you can't be having breakthrough like you are. You can't be doing the things that you're doing and praising God and walking and getting on with your life and living a, a, you know, a victorious life, living a life of conquering, of love and of peace, because that stuff is illegal. You can't do it. But he's a liar and deceiver. He has no power. You know, and it just shows like the heart of the Pharisee. It shows the heart of religion and it shows the heart of works that it has no mercy. And that's why I know and I believe in my heart that religion is actually a work of the enemy. You know, because the enemy doesn't care if you're sitting at the pool for 38 years living on the legend. He doesn't care that you think that you might earn your healing or your breakthrough or your wishes and your dreams by putting work and work and work because he knows, like, that ain't going to get you anywhere. That's not going to get your healing, and you're just going to die there. But thank God for Jesus. Thank God that that grace did show up that day in a house of disgrace, you know, and you know what's more, what's fun, the, you know, the, the funniest thing about this is that this man still did not know Jesus. This man still didn't know who healed him. You know, we'll get into that later. I want to talk about the Sabbath a little bit. I want to talk about why these guys are so angry about the Sabbath. Verse 16 and 17 says, so because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. Now, see, the Sabbath is a day of rest for the Jews. It's a day of, uh, of rest for the whole nation of Israel. Why? Because in Genesis 2-2, it says that 
after God, after the sixth day, and God knew that everything that he had created was perfect and good, it says that God rested. See? And so now they observe the Sabbath because God rested, so they rest. Because, you know, they want to honor God. I have a, uh, I have a vendor that I work with at work, and he's, he's a Jew. He's an Orthodox Jew. He's a really nice guy. His name's Jeff. And, uh, but he's a little hard to work with because come Friday, like, we can't, I can't ask him to do anything on the weekend. Anything past four, it ain't going to happen. He's got to go home because it's the Sabbath. The Sabbath starts at, like, sundown, right? So nothing's getting done really on Friday or Saturday. So it's got to be, like, Monday through Thursday. That's the Sabbath. You don't do a little work. You don't do a lot of work. You don't do any work, right? And actually, that speaks about what the word rest means. Because, see, God didn't need to rest. He's God. He's never weary or tired. Actually, God is our strength, right? God is the, provi- the one that provides new hope, new air in your lungs. He is the strength of, your, of all that you need and are. So, see, God didn't need to rest. And actually, rest means that he was done. That he was done working, so he was at rest. Not working anymore because he had finished with creation to that point. And Jesus actually responds to them. He says, in, in, in his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. So what was Jesus telling them, see? Jesus was like, here you go. Because <laughs> I'm going to take you back to Genesis, Jesus. Because he said, look, my father is always working, always at work to this very day. So he's telling them, look, my dad never stopped working on that sixth day, on that seventh day. And I, too, am working. See? Because when Jesus said, I see what the Father does, and so I do. I hear what the Father says, and I say it. So what he's telling them, look, my Father didn't stop working on that seventh day. Why? Because that rest day was actually made for you. Wasn't made for me. How do I know that? Well, In Mark 2, 27 and 28, it says, And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. See, Jesus was telling them that he created the Sabbath for us. That the Sabbath was a prophetic sign of what the rest that was going to come through Jesus. See, that's why that rest day was included in the sequence of creation. It was the seventh day. See, six days of creating, one day of resting. So we could see that it was finished. God made a day of rest specifically with, you, with us in mind. And today he wants us to rest in it. 
He was showing us that this rest day was for us, that it wasn't for God, that it was designed for us, that when he was done creating in Genesis, is so to show us that after he's done working would come our rest. See, because when Jesus at the cross said, it is finished, he was finished working. And because he finished his work, now we can come to the rest that Jesus has provided. We come into the rest day in Jesus. How do we enter into this rest? Hebrew 4 says, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of, of you be found to have fallen short of it. When he says still stands, he's talking about the Jewish people. See, because this day of rest, he wanted it for his people Israel. But they didn't believe, so they couldn't come into their day of rest. It says, and you know, I highlighted, let, be caref- let us be careful that none of you can be found to have been fallen short of it. What does that mean? It means that we can fall short of our rest day. That means that we can be part of God's people. We can be part of, uh, have communion with him and, and have all these things. But, but if we are not aware of this rest day, if we're not aware of the rest that God, that Jesus has provided for us because he said it is finished, then we might not come into this rest day. We have to be aware that we have, that God has made a rest day for us, that Jesus made a rest day for us, for us to come and rest in him. And we have to take advantage of that because it was made for us. It says, verse 2 says, For we also have the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was not of value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed Enter that rest. So see, this is not a congregation of works. This is not a method of works. This is not a method of legends. We're not going to have, you know, our prayers answered. We're not going to have breakthrough, our wishes or our dreams, or we're not in our ministries or in your life. You're not going to see what God wants to do in your life because of works, because of faith. Because you believe in Jesus. Because then you believe that when he did it all, that when he said it is finished, it is truly finished. And he did it all for you. You know, God has given us a spirit of rest. A spirit of rest in the Holy Spirit. You know, where all your worries and your troubles can no longer hinder you. Because your, the spirit of God brings you Righteousness, peace, and joy. You know, peace because you don't have to no longer work. You know, work. Joy because you've inherited all that it is in the kingdom. Inherited an open heaven. God's, you know, God has given us so much. To this day, God still works, you know. I realized that, that when I didn't, I, I didn't know and I didn't realize what God had given me in that revelation, like that night. I realized that I wasn't resting in God. That God had an open heaven for me, but I wasn't taking advantage of it. That I was still trying to do things on my own, 
without realizing that God was right there in front of me and that he had already done it. If I could have the, um, the worship team, please. You know, later, Jesus, it says, the word says that later, later Jesus found this man in the temple. And he told him, see, you are well. And here we can see the completion of God's purpose in his miracle. It wasn't only to save him, and it wasn't only to, to heal him. See, God doesn't want to just save you and heal you. He's already given that to us. See, our salvation is not in question here if we're saved or not. A lot of our brothers and sisters and a lot of churches are in constant worry about that if we're saved. But we don't have to worry about that. You know, if we, if we abide in him and our, in his words abide in us, that's, that's all the testimony that we need. And that is our confidence that we are saved. We are saved by faith. We don't have to work for our salvation. But God wants to do something more and bigger in you. Not just, not just salvation. He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants you to know him more. That is the purpose of your healing. That is the purpose of God's work in you, to reveal himself more into you. So if you want to stand up, or you can pray there. You know, in the beginning, God said that he was finished with creating. In the beginning, God finished creating the world that, that was there, you know, the world that we could see. But rest was part of his creation. Jesus said he made rest. That means he created rest for us. At the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. So today, Jesus invites you into a day of rest. There is an open heaven here. I believe it. I believe that there's an open heaven and there, there is a gladness, an oil of gladness pouring down upon this place. There where you're sitting, there where you are. I don't know what's, you know, maybe what's been hindering you. I don't know what the struggles are in your life that have been hindering you and that have you by this pool maybe. See, because I know, I know that I was that man at the pool. I know that I was that man at the pool. I know that I had been there for a long time, but God had mercy over my life. See, I couldn't walk and I couldn't save myself. I had been there for a long, long time. But God had mercy. His grace came to my life. And today it's coming to your life. Today, God is telling you, don't let that struggle, don't let what you're going through keep you from coming to me. Don't make your breakthrough or your miracle be the focus of your life. Keep me the focus of your life, and I will bring you into rest. See, he wants to find you in the temple, and he wants to tell you that all is well. 
that you are well again. So I pray. Lord God, I pray to you, O Father, that you just pour down your spirit upon your people, God. I pray, Lord God, that this day that you take anything that is hindering your peace.